0: I love how we're we're so far into the podcast and we're still complaining about Winter Solstice Part One. I'm
1: sorry, like definitely bottom tier episode of Avatar. Never need to watch (laughs) it.
0: Your episode is bad, (laughs) and you should feel bad.
1: Blame yo, everybody. Hi, welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender.
0: And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimgard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimgard role-playing game. And I had never watched Avatar until now. If you've been following along with us then you know we cover two episodes from the show and today our epic journey has taken us to season three episode 12 the western air temple some stats on the episode as always this episode is written by elizabeth welch ihaj and tim hedrick And I just have to stop and say, Ms. Millwood, that this is such an excellent duo for this episode between Elizabeth and Tim, because in all of their time writing for the show, and by now it's almost pointless to go back and just count off the episodes they've done because they they both have such an impressive roster, but like Elizabeth and Tim have really taken their time, taken turns really delving in deep, both of them, into both Aang and Zuko and even um, uh, Sokka because uh, correct me if I'm wrong wasn't was it Tim who did the writing for Sokka's master
1: I believe so yes if I remember correctly
0: so they've really really dug in deep we've complimented you know Elizabeth's writing so much and digging into the motivations for Aang his fears his conflicts which once again crop up in this one and uh so they've they've really done they've really done an amazing job and to see a collaboration like this well it's almost symbolic in a way which occurred to me when i saw the credit afterward because in this we have Zuko joining the team mm-hmm. and as we have team Zuko joining team Avatar we also have Elizabeth and Tim joining forces <laughs> joining forces in this episode to write it
1: yes we'd love to see it
0: it's poetic really truly it rhymes
1: poetry it rhymes
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh the episode is directed by ethan spaulding animated by jm animation and the western air temple aired july Fourteenth, two 2008 the imdb rating is 8.9 out of 10. take us away with some fun facts amanda
1: all right this episode was part of an event called Countdown to the Comet. The new episodes of Avatar began airing on July 14th, 2007, starting with the Western Air Temple and ending with the series finale, Sozin's Comet. So I was there, like, when this Countdown to the Comet was happening. Like, I was
0: there, Gandalf.
1: Literally. Like, I've been telling you since the beginning that I... Like, I've watched the show as it was coming out, but, like, this was a huge deal. This... You, every other commercial was countdown to the comet, you know, there because it was a whole week basically that Nick blocked out to um, air all these new episodes. Like it says, starting with the Western Air Temple where Zuko officially joins Team Avatar and ending with the Sozan's Comet series finale. Um, And I think I said 2007, it was 2008, I believe. My bad. But anyway. And so this was like a huge deal and it was so much fun getting to see all these episodes because every day they would air a new episode Mm -hmm. for an entire week. So that was that was like unheard of because usually the episodes are every week or every other week. Um, So we got a ton of Avatar content all at once and it was just the coolest thing ever. And these are some of the top tier episodes, as we'll discuss, um, of Avatar. So it was it was a good time. But anyway uh that was really long so our second fun fact
0: is that <laughs> hey you're allowed you're you're writing the nostalgia train doing this i mean oh god, i'm the right first so. timer you're you're the one reliving the good old days
1: and like literally like i am literally riding the nostalgia train because when i found that fun fact i was like oh my god like i had a big brain moment i was like i remember those commercials countdown to the comment like it was and then i looked it up on youtube and somebody posted like hd versions of those commercials that would play and i would just had like i was like crying i was like oh my god this is such good times i miss it you
0: know i Uh. gotta interject i gotta interject though you know times really have had let's 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 date ourselves here old timer you know (laughs) times really have changed because yeah sure like new episodes new seasons drop of things on netflix and things like that all the time um Mm -hmm. But you know, for a long time in streaming video, there's been the whole kind of, I think there's a little bit of that pushback of like entire seasons being dropped at once of things right. um, because Netflix did that for so long. And you know what would happen? The new season would drop, boom, you'd watch the whole thing in a weekend. And then you'd have to sit around waiting for all your friends because you've already watched everything or you yeah. do- Or you'd be posting spoilers with people.
1: Yeah, or you move on to the new show that just dropped its entire season. So now you're like, you have nothing to talk about about the old show. Like, this is why I don't like shows dropping all at once. It it kind of kills the hype in a way. Because like, I love waiting, you know, every week for episodes to drop because then you have something to talk about. That's why I loved watching Wandavision the way that they dropped it, with each episode coming out every week. We were talking nonstop about that show for the entirety of its run, you know, the couple months that it was coming out because they dropped, they didn't do it all at once and it was great.
0: Yeah, no, I really feel like Disney Plus really, you know, struck upon something great in doing that because they wound up, you know, bringing back the weekly episodes so that, People would have something to talk about, so that they'd there'd be something to look forward to every week, so that it would be that fun. Hey, let's catch up with our friends. Hey, did you catch the new episode of, you know, whatever? Like it like it's a regular weekly release of whatever it is that's coming out. And so it really does bring back, you know, it really brings back the thrill of waiting for new stuff to be released. And I know, I think it's so great that trend, because you know what they even did that with? They did that with uh, with Stranger Things, where uh, the most recent season of Stranger Things, they delayed releasing the last two episodes, I believe, of Stranger Things. They waited a long time so that people wouldn't binge the whole season and then just spoil it for everybody who hadn't watched it yet.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's it's, I think it's the best way, if you're going to have a show, the best way is to drop it weekly, because again you're just going to spend all your hype when it drops all if it drops all together so anyway again very long tangent of that fun fact but um, our second fun fact is that according to the Nickelodeon website Combustion Man died after Sokka's boomerang hit his head because the impact closed his third eye chakra causing him to explode when he tried to use his power That that is quite a gruesome way to go out
0: it really is it's kind of like it, 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 i'm so glad that they had established in the last time we saw him how he got kind of the the bonk on the head from what i don't know mm. oh, from the from the stone the whole david and goliath that we talked about how he yep. got whacked in the forehead with the pebble boy that you know that 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 third eye chakra really is a fragile thing <laughs>
1: It is. It's an Achilles heel.
0: It really is. Next time somebody's using their third eye chakra to explode things around me, I'll just remember to walk up to them and just just pop, just flick them in the pop forehead. Them. Right. <laughs>
1: um, and then our third and final fun fact is that due to the spread, oh sorry, yeah, due to the spread of unaired episode titles on the web, this episode was called Zuko's Cool. And what about Zuko? While well, it was being worked on to foil leaks. <laughs> This was back when early, early leaks were happening, like on old, tum- not Tumblr, but um, like old, I don't even know what they would have been on. Just like forums, I guess, is what they're, what they used to be back called. Back when
0: people used message boards. I mean, Facebook was around right. in those days. So, I mean, I don't know if people were even talking about it on Facebook, but.
1: Right. That was like early, early Facebook, like when it was first out. <laughs>
0: Laura, it makes me want to go on such a tangent about Facebook because it reignites so much anger about the early days of Facebook when it went public, but we will resist. We'll resist. Right. There's me trying not to go on tangents. Why am I so bad at being good?
1: Exactly. I told you that, that line was coming up. I can't remember which episode it was, but yeah, that was the one I was referring to.
0: Yeah, when I saw it, I was like that.
1: Yeah, that's pointing meme.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? Since we had just talked about it, we could go one of two directions. Um but let's uh let's run with Zuko. Zuko Mm -hmm. being cool.
1: Yeah, this is a very Zuko-centric episode. It
0: really is. It really is. And I feel like between again, between uh between Liz and Tim, they really write Zuko's like awkward trying to him rehearsing in front of the frog just Mm. made my entire day hey zuko here
1: yes and another just fun fact about that is that that has now become like dante bosco's calling card for zuko the hello zuko here like (laughs) he'll use that anytime he gets introduced at like comic-con panels or you know he does cameo videos so he'll just start with hello zuko here and I just love it that that stupid little line has become like Zuko's calling card.
0: Oh my gosh. You know what we should totally do next episode is not introduce ourselves. Just be like, Amanda here, Todd here. And today we're going Great. Right. Over... <laughs> Hello,
1: Todd here. Yes, I love it.
0: Us strategizing all the time over how to keep things fresh in the show. I love it. Zuko, though, was sharing his, his uh, what did it remind me of? Was there some other episode where, like, Aang or Sokka was, like, rehearsing a speech to, like, Momo or something like that? Like, what am I thinking of in another uh, part of the well, scene? Well, the,
1: night- the Nightmare and Daydreams, uh, the last episodes that we covered, it had Aang babbling to Momo in, like, his nightmare daydream state. um, But... I don't know if that's what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> no, I'm thinking of something maybe even from like season two or something like that, like a long time ago.
1: Hmm, Interesting. I'll have to think about it, but I do love that scene. It's it's very cute and endearing seeing him try so hard and just failing so badly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you got to love, by the way, how the in order to make sure that the audience is all on board with the redemption arc, I got to love how they're like, but how can we assure the audience, especially those little kids who have known Zuko for being this, this bad, mean, angry guy this whole time. How do we make sure that we like him, make him good with animals. Right. Let's have him rehearsing to the frog. Let's have Appa lick him,
1: right? That actually, I love that, that they brought that back. Um, You know, that is a really, and even that catches Aang's attention, you know, when, when Uh, Zuko shows up and Appa licks him and like that really does show that that's such a small thing he let Appa go in Lake Laogai which is still one of our favorite episodes and you know that'd be something that you could easily forget about just in the in the mess of everything else that's happened but no they remember to bring that up and that is something genuinely good that Zuko didn't have to do but he did it because and you know, I think that that really does kind of chip away at Aang's, like, you know, hardened heart for Zuko. Cause, you know, he's been burned by him before and yeah, everyone's been, been burned, burned, by, burned him before. by him. <laughs> uh, I have been burned by you what, before. What's
0: with <laughs> you? What's with you and all the puns lately? I'm supposed to be the pun master. <laughs> You've taken over.
1: I know. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I love that. And I also love that Toph. You know when he's trying to explain that he's not a bad person, he wants to join them. Toph is also one to kind of not necessarily take his side, but just see that he's being genuine and he's not lying. He's not trying to trick them because she's able to sense with her, you know, seismic sense that he's not lying and that he yeah. is being truthful. And I love that. So you know, Ang or not, Aang, uh, <laughs> Appa and Toph are Team Zuko.
0: <laughs> well and you know one of the things about it as well is that you know she's able to have a clear head about everything you know not only because she can tell that he's being sincere but i mean let's just face it you know toff doesn't have the long sordid history with zuko half the time that zuko's you know that she's with the group zuko isn't even after them anymore so i mean it's usually azula
1: that's after them
0: (laughs) right exactly like she has more experience with azula in fact i'm even like straining to even think and remember does she has she even had a run-in with hostile zuko ever not
1: that yeah because i'm thinking like the chase that was all that was all azula and the girls um she wasn't even present
0: at the end of season two when zuko turned on them like was she even in the room it was like iron and Aang and azula and zuko and katara Toph Toph wasn't there
1: yeah um so yeah and it does it totally makes sense that she wouldn't be as you know hurt by him or feel as betrayed by him as the others do especially katara and oh boy when we get to katara because each character each main character in the gang kind of gets their own episode with zuko you know you've got this episode well the next episode that we'll talk about which is the firebending masters him and Aang bonding over firebending and then we got the boiling rock part one and two where it's, it's him and sokka you know having the ultimate bromance and then the uh the final kind of group with zuko uh episode is the southern raiders with katara and oh boy he has to work really hard to get on Katara's good side man it's so good I love it oh my god
0: but you know though but even at the onset come on now tell me that you tell me you disagree with me on this Mm -hmm. I think that right from the get-go I sincerely believe that right from the start Sokka kind of wants zuko on the team he just has all because saga is a very logical you know his brain Mm -hmm. is always going he's very you know intelligent that way he works on a lot of logic on things making sense and having to fit together right from the get-go you almost see almost as a secondary reaction almost like more of like sort of a, a protective like a defensive reaction from him but he wants right from the start it makes sense for zuko it makes sense for him to be there to fire you know to train a- Aang and ang and fire bending it makes sense for him to be there because of you know the times that he's showed up mysteriously before it makes sense for him to not like azula and and he has all kinds of motivations that some he's of which intel aware in the of.
1: fire Nation. <laughs>
0: right it it works to their advantage in so many ways for zuko to join them but Sokka has objections that he has to overcome and we see how quickly at the end of the episode where he's kind of like awkwardly shows zuko in Mm -hmm. you you know what i mean and let's face it like they kind of they also kind of have something in common they're both like the, the son of like the leader of their culture like you know what i mean
1: Oh yeah. No, like Sokka and Zuko as just a duo is one of my favorite pairings, not just because they're my two favorite characters in all of Avatar, but because they do have so much in common that, you know, they, they, they work so well off of each other. Um, and I think that you're right that out of everybody, you know, Aang obviously has to be the one to be like, okay, yes, you can join our group. Like, cause that's, he's the actor. He's kind of the leader of the group in a way. Um, and, you know, Toph is very, you know, kind of she's able to remove herself from all of the baggage that they have with Zuko because she wasn't there for it. Um, so she's kind of impartial to it. But I do feel like Sokka is the one to really warm up to Zuko the fastest, um, you know, the <laughs> warm up again, the puns. Um,
0: I-, I swear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do love I do love them together. And we'll talk more about them when we do the boiling rock. But um i mean yeah, we will so... we
0: will for sure um gosh there's one more thing i wanted to say about that though for it pertaining to this episode i feel like what was i gonna say about it oh okay so i one more thing about it though is i also kind of feel like on the onset that sokka has a rare opportunity to not be in a like position of feeling less than with a bender in the group because Mm -hmm. the saka's master episode pointed up how he feels so inferior compared to everybody in the group how he feels envious of them how he feels you know he has felt that at multiple times with with the other members of the group that they all have a special power and he doesn't but like zuko's kind of at his mercy zuko's the one coming to him hoping for acceptance There's nothing Sokka has to do to win Zuko's acceptance of him. The dynamic is very different, and I think for Sokka, it's probably a welcome change to encounter somebody, especially like another male in the group or anywhere, that he doesn't have to prove himself to he's had to prove feels he needs to prove himself to his father he has felt like he needs to measure up to ang he feels like he needs to you know prove himself to all kinds of people but he doesn't have to zuko it's the other way around Mm -hmm. and that's got to feel great for Sokka. how
1: does it feel zuko (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how it feels
0: (laughs) i'm just sorry I'm i'm just an enormous fan of the show (laughs)
1: Right? (laughs) I see you, Loki. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I I love it. It's such a great dynamic. Um, And I also just, since we're talking about their dynamic, I love that little exchange where, uh, you know, Suko's talking about all the things he's done wrong to the gang. And he mentions, you know, Combustion Man. And Sokka's just like, wait, you say Combustion Man after us? And he just was like, well, that's not his name, (laughs) but... (laughs) <laughs> it's just like Zaka or Zuko. You're such an idiot. Like, stop focusing on that. And,
0: not... and, and the group at that moment could have even been like, "Oh, well, what is his name?" But of course, they skip that. And as a viewer, I'm just like, "What is his name? Right. What's his
1: name?" I told you, we never find out. Not yeah. even on his Wikipedia or anything. It's just Combustion Man or Sparky Sparky Boom Man.
0: So a sparky Sparky Boom Man honestly is way catchier. I don't know why we didn't just run with that. <laughs>
1: Oh, goodness. Um, uh, This is such an interesting episode because not like something huge happens, but like nothing happens at the same time, you know, because it's really just these characters bouncing off of each other. These characters that have a very deep history, you know, and lots of interactions in the past that they have to kind of bring up to the present. Um, And obviously the giant change being that or the giant thing that happens is that Zuko switches sides officially and is welcomed into team avatar begrudgingly, but still. um, And that's about it. That's really all that happens. So it's not a very plot heavy episode. It's just all about these characters. And which is why we love it so
0: much. (laughs) Right.
1: It's like, it's really just boils down to all these different interactions and the, the reactions that the gang have to Zuko, as we've been talking about the different reactions. Um, And I love just how, like we gotta talk about Katara real quick, because this is she is like out for blood with Zuko. She's so pissed at him. Oh, well, um, why
0: don't we at this point just jump to the ed- the very end of the episode then to prove your point about this, where you oh, know yeah. Sokka makes nice with Zuko and kind of welcoming him to the group, and Zuko has like a moment of peace where he's like, Ah yes, Uncle was right, you know? He'd and then Katara so just comes me. He just comes storming in.
1: Oh, yeah. And she she just reads him for Phil. (laughs) It's so (laughs) she just drags his ass and she literally threatens to kill him. Obviously, she can't say that, but she is threatening to kill him to end his life if he does anything to harm or betray Aang or anybody in the gang and like you could tell she's serious like she is not messing around she has gone down this rabbit hole with him before where she's trusted him and you know they thought that they were on the same level and like they were
0: emotionally vulnerable and that was also in the lake Laogai guy episode wasn't it was it lake uh, low guy where she offered to heal his scar
1: no no that was the finale that was the the season two finale
0: Oh, okay. They both take place, the, like, underground, and so I get really confused, like, which which, yeah, what no, happens before bo- the very ending.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they were both in, like, crystal chambers. But, um, yeah, and I love, again, that they brought that back, because, you know, that would be, even though that's a great scene, you know, especially for us Atari shippers, um, it's very brief, and it could easily be forgotten if, you know, they hadn't brought it up that, oh, yeah, they did have that moment of, like, emotional intimacy and like breaking down walls between the two of them and like finding common ground and to have that ripped away almost immediately with Zuko's betrayal like no wonder like people get really mad at Katara my sister included Rachel that bitch um (laughs) that you know she (laughs) she hates how mean Katara is to Zuko and I'm like dude like, she has every right to not trust him and be totally furious with him. She's
0: She's been super hurt. And, like, I think quantifiably, everything, almost everything in her life that has caused her difficulty or pain has been directly caused by Zuko.
1: Literally. Like, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff that he has to make up for. And, boy, does he. Um, but... Yeah, so it's completely understandable why she feels the way she does and why she's so cold and just rude to him. Um, you could
0: say she's cold and I think, as ice. Uh, ha, ha, ha,
1: My turn.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Um, but uh, yeah, and I love it. Because um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be at all logical for her to be welcoming to him and to just kind of gloss over all of the hurt that he caused her, either directly or indirectly. Um And so I'm glad that they didn't do that, that they and not even a couple episodes later, because even in the later episodes of this of the last part of the season, she still has that grudge that she just can't get over. That Zuko is part of the team now and that she's very uncomfortable with that until their episode where they work together. Um, So it's great. I love seeing it and I really love seeing her really again warm up to him throughout these next couple of episodes um and finally just get on that same level of like okay yeah you're part of the team you're part of our family now like it's really great to see but um yeah it does not start off
0: no it definitely it definitely doesn't and zuko zuko fighting for how to even like approach them i i love that there's so much and i feel like that really is why they had to have two different writers who have explored all these characters in such depth why they needed it to be a collaboration i would bet any amount of money that elizabeth and tim had to come sit down the same room and be like so how do you think ang would react as you go joining and like right. just have a long discussion about the ins and the outs the conflicts write it down how are we gonna put that in the episode he'd feel this way he'd feel this way he'd feel this way but he also remembers there was a time when he helped him and he that would be part of it mm-hmm. too so what would his initial reaction be like and then later on when the when the heat dies down a little bit how mm-hmm. how would how how would he react then when cooler heads start to prevail and the initial shock is over what would he say and the same thing for all the other characters to be able to you know and they would probably take note of probably exactly what we've been talking about what about Toph and they would probably they're going I don't think Zuko and Toph have ever fought each other, did they? Flips through notes from season right. two. No, I guess not.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, no. Um, although he did burn her in this episode, literally. So, you know, that's really rough. Like, the fact that she's still willing to forgive him after that. Like, obviously it was an accident. And I think she knows it was an accident. But, like, even yeah. still, like, it's great that she is so... Like, she has such a level head about the whole thing and is the one that kind of is like, hey, guys, like, you got to remember, Annie's a firebending teacher. We, like, we can't think of a single person to do the job. And here he comes right there. Like, <laughs> y'all need to, like, really stop and think about this because, yeah, it's it's great. Well,
0: and then on top of it, too, correct me if I'm wrong, but the very episode where ang is trying to learn the firebending the first time and when he wants burning katara is that or is that not the same episode where um where toff like separates from the group and then talks to iroh is that or is that not the same episode
1: no those it's, are actually i believe those are a different seasons
0: <laughs> no they're not i believe they can't be
1: i I'm pretty sure that the deserter episode is later in season one. It might no. not be, but it definitely is not because the episode okay. with uh, yeah, the episode with Toff talking with Iroh, that's the chase because remember they split off from the oh, crew, or she splits off your
0: you're right. it is it is what's the oh, and you and you are right. The deserter is totally in a different season. I don't know why <laughs> something about the setting of the two of them. I I can't constantly yeah, no. be proving you rusty on these on these facts. I'm going to I'm going to whiff at least one of them. <laughs> this is a whiff. <laughs> right. But but you know what it does though. I, I I if it was the same episode, there was a point I was going to bring up. But if I was wrong, I still had a backup point, um, which was that you know it's great that they reach back so far to episodes like Deserter, which by the way was written by Tim Hedrick um mm-hmm. that they would go all the way back to that and draw even from stuff all the way back in season one all the way back then about ang trying to learn firebending and bring that back into it and bring in the whole you know ang accidentally burning katara and so zuko accidentally burning toff is something that ang can empathize with and so how mm-hmm. can he judge zuko ba- for doing that when he's had a mistake too and he's mistakenly burned somebody who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time
1: exactly and again just like with appa i think that that chips away at this you know this defensiveness that he has about zuko like they all have um and it makes him realize that yeah he he may have done bad things in the past but he is trying like actively trying to better himself and to do good and The first step of that is to join their group because they are trying to do the ultimate good and rid the world of ultimate evil so like you know
0: you know what i do love because we've talked a little bit about about everybody so far about how you know, Sokka and his his softening and accepting Zuko very quickly. We've talked about Katara and her long standing grudge that's going to go further into the episodes beyond just this one, and we've talked about you know Toph not really having much skin in the game except the skin on the soles of her feet getting burned off. Um, but, but but we haven't really gone into th- things with Aang, and I think there's something I want to say about it in this juncture because we I just mentioned about him understanding, you know. Aang is the peacemaker in the group. He is supposed to be the avatar. He's supposed to bring peace. And he has struggled with that before, where he's like, How in the world am I supposed to make peace with these people? You know, and try to settle things down. But he that's his that's his goal. He's a monk, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so peace already always being his his inner goal, whether it's something he's consciously trying to establish and 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 build, or whether it's just coming natural and he doesn't realize it. You know, to dissect a little bit about Ang warming up to Zuko and accepting him, Aang has two big things that really thawed him out about it, and that is one, empathy, and I don't even I don't have a fancy word for the second one, but I guess it's just that ang is ready to look back on and accept good things about people before he hangs on to bad things because I
1: playing devil's advocate right
0: right he has to question his own grudges because he's the one who goes yeah actually there was this time when he helped me and so many times when we look back in people's what we know about people especially people we're currently angry at or who who have done us wrong it's very easy to forget all the good things they've ever done for us especially if we've known them for a while or maybe that we used to be friends with them or whatever it's very easy to take all the good things that we ever had established between us and them and just throw it in the trash and only remember bad things because it fits how we currently want to feel it validates us Mm -hmm. but ang has and this is what i'm really trying to get to though ang has the It's not even maturity so much as it's just the humility, which is a recurring trait of Aang's. He has the humility to set his own personal pride being hurt and his need to be right and his need to feel his anger or his outrage or whatever it is validated. He's willing to set that aside and be like, I can accept that this this person has also done good things and I'm willing to let go of how I want to feel validated by admitting that he's not all bad. And then he's mm-hmm. able to empathize and be like, oh, that's a mistake that I would make too. I've totally done that before. And that's not a level anyone else in the group is able or willing, even if they were able, to even accept. Even Katara, it was still to the end of the episode, is like, yeah, he, he was a pretty talented liar the way he fooled me into thinking he was being vulnerable. Even she won't give to him his honest, vulnerable moments because she doesn't trust it.
1: Yeah absolutely and I love that about Aang that he is able to set aside all that anger and resentment that he may have and look at the good that he has done even if it's not a lot because um, yeah I do think that he does play a devil's advocate for Zuko um, much like how Toff does but um
0: you know he also has the ability to do which he's proven he is he's able to deal with his hurt and his anger because we've seen him do two things we've seen him let his anger and his hurt control him in the you know wrath of anger the fury of the fury of anger, or mm-hmm. whatever it was angus fury right angus fury the two-parter yeah. and yes. then we've also seen him bottle up his feelings and deny how he feels and he doesn't do either one he he is very firmly steadfast that he doesn't want zuko there but we also know that ang is using the anger and outrage at zuko as a deflection mm-hmm. because zuko isn't even coming saying hi guys i'm good now and i want to be your friend he's showing up going zuko here i hear you need a firebending teacher and i'm willing to submit myself to help you but Ang doesn't want anything to do with firebending he's scared right. of it and he can like anger usually is fear in disguise he can cover his own fear and deflect away from the fact that he doesn't even want to talk about learning firebending by being angry at zuko and capitalizing and validating his friends who want Zuko either dead or gone to be like no you need to get out of here because the faster zuko leaves the faster he can get away from the whole issue of how do i learn firebending
1: see i didn't Even though in the episode, you know, he clearly is avoiding talking about firebending and finding a firebending teacher. Like, I never really thought about it that way. We're like, oh, maybe he's like rejecting Zuko because of that, because he doesn't, you know, want to learn firebending or he's too scared to or whatever the case may be. Um, That's an interesting way to think about that. I never really noticed or like thought of it that way
0: yeah because he does even you know later when he admits that zuko's helped him you know he does also in the next beat you know confess that you know when talking to Toph that he's scared of using fire bending after all he was avoiding the whole subject literally physically flying away from them <laughs> i love the like i don't know about that but hey check out this cool loop
1: <laughs> right yeah no like that is a, that that's a huge flaw of angst that he never quite gets not gets rid of but like loses is that he avoids conflict at all costs and whether that literally means running away from it quite literally like he did with the monks and now with you know the firebending teacher it's something that he never quite grows out of it's it's a huge flaw of his but it's very relatable because i think we all just want to literally run away from our problems at one point or another
0: it's really interesting too because you know in a symbolic way each of the elements and Aang learning the elements also teaches Aang and through Aang the viewer it teaches values and and I've been looking forward a lot which we'll get more into in the next episode uh which we'll get into uh in just a moment um but each of learning, each of them teaches Aang something in particular. Right now we're talking about Aang and his, you know, tendency to avoid conflicts, even if it means literally flying away from them and just not confronting them head on when in fact, that's exactly what Toff taught him to do when we talked about it at mm-hmm. length, that how it's completely against his nature to stand his ground against incoming conflict. He's learned to redirect it with water. He's learned to avoid it completely with air. But to do that, it's totally against his nature. And it's interesting, the the values that are passed on. You know, for the airbenders, it, it sometimes is good to be able to detach and, and go with the flow of things with with the water bending it's good to be able to you know be flexible and, and to be able to redirect things and and to be able to also learn what you can do in a situation to to use use the, what you've been given to your advantage which is what they mm-hmm. do with the water bending and sometimes you do need to take a stand head on against things but like the firebending, I think also Aang just isn't prepared for the fact it's gonna force him out of shape again. What's firebending going to cost him? What is he what painful lessons he going to have to learn?
1: Right. Yeah, he's he's traumatized by firebending.
0: <laughs> he's a 12 year old kid who has to learn a whole lot of stuff, not just how to control the natural elements, but to confront flaws and shortcomings in himself. Something that in our 20s and even in, th- in our 30s trust me you're still doing and this poor kid has to do it before before puberty
1: <laughs> yep exactly uh poor ang but um so overall uh because i feel like we've talked about everything unless there was something else that you wanted to say
0: Oh, no um nope. combustion man died yeah very sad anyway um
1: <laughs> right
0: <laughs> <laughs> um overall the episode is really really good i think it does such a good job of providing so much plot in the form of the characters they, i don't want to say it's development but yeah sure it is development too but it's taking all the characters as the way they've grown to be and where we've seen them grow they talked about it in the episode we've been talking about it for you know this whole time but to take that and make a story out of how do the characters interact and that's the plot oh yeah and stuff blows up too for people who wanted that it's it's a really it's really great um a really good episode overall um i think i'm going to agree with the imdb rating for it and give it an 8.9 out of 10.
1: I think I'm going to go a little lower. I think I'm going to go 8.5 out of 10 just because um, like, I love all the character interactions. I love like bringing up stuff from the past to the present. And obviously Zuko being the focus of this episode is always great. I do wish that there was a bit more, I guess, plot development, if that makes sense. Cause it's, it's all character this episode and that's mm-hmm. great. Like, you know, cause if it was all plot, then it probably wouldn't be, as high, but um, I do love a good mix of plot and character. I think that that's when Avatar is at its best is when it has the perfect balance of both. Um, So I would have liked a little more plot development in this episode, but overall I love Zuko so much. I love like having him finally join the good guys and the different reactions. And, you know, it's it's a very, very solid episode. So I give it an 8.5 out of 10.
0: See, my extra point four is for Zuko's underrated impressions of Uncle Iroh and Azula.
1: <laughs> Listen, <to> Avatar. <laughs> yes, so good.
0: I guess I'm not very good at impressions. You are Azuko. Don't underrate yourself. You got an extra point four out the rating just for that. All right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but you know, we've been teasing about, you know where where this takes them um in the next episode so wait no longer uh the next episode is episode uh 13 of season three the fire bending masters uh the episode is written by john o'brien uh who i think his last why do i why do i feel like it's been a little while since we've we've heard from him no he did nightmares and daydreams i remember that he did the headband i had almost forgotten he did nightmares and daydreams and we were talking about how night and day they are right but here he here he is again so uh john o'brien's uh third entry into season three uh it's directed by my boy always has to direct at least one of the episodes we talk about every podcast john carlo right. Volpe. And uh, it's animated by Moy Animation. The episode aired July 15th, 2008. And the IMDb rating for the Firebending Masters is a very respectable 9.2 out of 10. <laughs> so take us away with some fun facts.
1: All right. When Zuko is about to touch the Golden Artifact, Aang states that he's very suspicious of giant glowing gems sitting on pedestals. This is a reference to a similar situation concerning the booby trap Golden Idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: <laughs> I, I I caught that reference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> yeah. Our uh, our our boys, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Knitsko, are gigantic nerds as we have Obviously, referenced a million times, but yes, they are big nerds. So of course, they would have a um, Indiana Jones reference in there. Um, (laughs) Our second fun fact. Our second fun fact is the Sun Warriors' architecture resembles that of Indian Buddhist stupas and Tibetan monasteries. What is a stupa? I should have looked that up before I put this down.
0: (laughs) Uh, The stupas are the, the just basically that they're the stone temples.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I love that they draw so much. I mean, we've talked about this before um, with the different architecture and clothing and names and everything that goes into the world building of Avatar. But I just love that they draw from so much real life, you know, Asian um, influence. I think it's really cool. It makes it feel so grounded and real.
0: Yeah, I love um, the I love the look of the entire Sun Warrior culture. Uh, everything from their the architecture and the temples and everything uh all the way to what they what they wear, their clothing, their jewelry, like the 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 chieftain or priest or whatever he is, the the main guy. Mm-hmm. Uh I just I kinda love his look. Um but you know me, you know this from the library that like I, I just love anything having to do with let's go find a hidden civilization or a lost treasure.
1: I literally, I thought of that when I was watching stuff, so I'm like, I bet Todd is going to love this episode because it is like everything that he loves in one episode, just like the library is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, although it's funny that they say in this fun fact that it's Indian Buddhist stupas into the monasteries because it was really kind of giving me like ancient Aztec Mayan vibes. I was about to say that, Mayans. Yeah, which are not Asian, obviously. That's South American, but... Um, like it just kind of from the architecture, the stone kind of golden stone architecture to the, you know, the way that the uh, priests are dressed, the sun warriors, like it did kind of give me that. So I I wonder if there's a bit of mash of, both you know you know the south american and asian influence well
0: and i'll bet that there is too because i thought this and i just confirmed it with a quick google here um Mm -hmm. that the the sun god of the mayan culture is the generator of light heat and the four directions that the universe had in its expanse and so the worship of the sun the sun being a source of a giant it's a g- giant flaming ball of gas burning billions of miles away you know right. it, that was very present very central to the Mayan culture and so it makes sense that it would that they would draw a Mayan influence there a culture that literally worshipped the sun um but there's a real quick nod since we just talked about how you thought I would love this episode it is. Mm-hmm. It does have that same combo as the library, and of course it would because it was also directed by John of Volpi and written by John O'Brien. Of course.
1: <laughs> there you go. We we have connected the dots. We did connection. <laughs> yes. Um, and our third and final fun fact is Ran and Shaw resemble the blue and red dragons from Zuko's fever induced dream in bossing say
0: um, I immediately got it as soon as I saw it. I was like, yes. just like in the dream.
1: Yes. And not only that, but the dragons coordinating to the characters are the red dragon for Zuko, just like in his dream, and the blue dragon for Aang. I think that that's interesting that like he is, Zuko is always associated with a red dragon. Like that is his symbol almost. Um, So I love that. And yeah, that's it for fun facts. Not a lot, but uh, I think that we talked quite a bit. So now let's talk about the episode
0: well you know what i think that there's a little bit of redemption on that and i want to jump right to as always we wind up jumping at the end of the episode but there's one thing i want to talk about um uh correct me if i'm wrong but in zuko's nightmare doesn't the blue dragon in it when it turns and talks to him doesn't it have azula's voice yep and so i it picked up on the symbolism that the dragon being associated who's his mirror and in his mind, his nightmare, his, the, the what's the worst nightmare? That the mirror, the yin to your yang, is Azula. That, that, mm-hmm. That's that's the person who's the yang to your yang, you know? That would be the yeah. worst. That's the person who balances you out. Those are the two opposing forces working in conjunction, balancing each other. Uh-uh. It's got to be a huge relief that it's Aang.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Oh man, imagine if Azula had gone with Zuko to this temple. She probably would have burned the place down and killed the dragons.
0: Yeah. In instead he has the little bald kid who refers to him as Sifu Hotman.
1: (laughs) Right. I love it.
0: I died when he did that. I was like, no, you do not call him Sifu Hotman.
1: Stop calling me that. (laughs) Oh god, it's so funny. So it's, you said that I you wanted like, to jump I, right I, to the I, end.
0: I feel like it was the uh, the okay boomer of <laughs> Sifu Hotman he uses a hundred right. year old Fire Nation slang on it.
1: <laughs> it totally is what it is. He just <laughs> hasn't gotten with the times.
0: Oh man um yeah no i mean that was the part i wanted to jump to to be perfectly honest with you but the episode is such a the episode is such a great ride i have to rave about it like i did with the library because it really does have so much stuff that i love which you've already touched on it does it has the the hey i mean seriously if someone was like if if prince zuko came to me and was like i guess we'll have to Check out the old ancient ruins to see if the the dead spirits of the ancient culture of the sun warriors imparts us some knowledge. I would be like, oh, Of course, flame yo. Hey, <laughs> That's all you had to say. Let's go. Right.
1: I love that. Yeah, no, lead it's on
0: like... my prince.
1: Right. It is a dream for you this episode. <laughs> And I I do love, um, I it's actually funny, I have a very funny memory of this episode, one particular part, because um, when I was younger, after the show had come out fully and it was available on like Netflix or whatever, because there was a time where this show wasn't on Netflix for like years, but um, I was watching it with my grandma, who also is a big fan of the show, and we got to the part where they're at the temple, they're they've just arrived at the temple and they find the booby trap with the spikes and Aang is the first to, like, unveil it or whatever. And he almost gets impaled. He manages to airbend and he gets to safety. But I remember my grandma, like, physically gasping when the spikes came up and Aang almost got stabbed. She's like, <gasps> and it's just, it was so funny to me for some reason that she was so invested. That imagine if, the show,
0: imagine if the show ended right there. Just Aang just gets impaled on the spikes and Zuko's like.
1: <laughs> I did it. <laughs> i killed the avatar finally
0: <laughs> yeah imagine going back to his father now and be like uh hey dad so uh um, all that stuff i said uh, um I, uh, I take it back the avatar's dead <laughs> will you love right? me again
1: <laughs> exactly um but i do love that i i do love indiana jones that series so it is very similar in you know and it also kind of reminds me of funnily enough scooby-doo for some reason i don't know if i'm the only one that gets that vibe
0: wandering Um, through like old abandoned potentially haunted places (laughs) right yeah might have might have a slight association with it i can see where
1: i think it also is the fact that like when they do when they get inside the temple um and they like you know touch the egg that they're not supposed to which by the way it is a dragon egg and that dragon egg hatches in legend. Well, we don't see it hatch, but it is a dragon in legend of Korra. So, um, wow. Spoilers. The, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not important. It's, but it's just a fun little fact. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what
0: when we they, do, when we, when we get, get to legend of Korra, <laughs> I swear right now, I swear on all four elements, I'm going to give you the hardest time forever about how you spoiled it for me. It's going to be the right. biggest deal. Oh my God. I can't believe yeah. this is spoiled for me.
1: <laughs> oh, believe me. That is the least thing I could spoil about Legend of Korra. There's so much. Um, but uh, anyway, yes, yeah, so they, you know, Zuko touches the egg and then suddenly the room starts filling with this, like, gl- this goo glue kind of mixture. And it's it's very Scooby-Doo. I'm like, this is so funny and ridiculous. And I love it. Yeah. Um, And ang's reaction to being stuck and just shouting help like (laughs) as loud as he can right in zuko's ear like it's so funny
0: what do you think we should do we what do you say we contemplate our place in the universe
1: yeah think about our place in the universe (laughs) i love it i could watch an entire episode of just the two of them being stuck there and just talking because that's how interesting they are
0: (laughs) i really wish that they had that they would have just sat there just stuck in the goo staring up at the stars and like talking about things imagine if Aang was just like so you know that whole thing where my eyes glow and like the arrow in my head lights up he's like yeah what is that well it's the avatar state you know i got really close when like i was gonna i was gonna kill your sister back there you know (laughs) in the the underground cave yeah did you know i turn into like this giant space god space god huh that's crazy i wonder if i turned into a space god if i learned airbending and water bending. <laughs> oh
1: man they get so philosophical um but yeah no i love it and then obviously we get we that's when we get introduced to the sun warriors who are um the priests or whatever you want to call them that kind of guard the secrets of the dragons and the original form of firebending um And I love the idea of there being like an original flame. That's I feel like that's in a lot of different like mythologies and religions like the eternal flame or whatever. That was, you know, I think of Prometheus and, you know, the gifting Mm -hmm. the fire to mankind. Like that's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, So that's just a really cool concept. And the fact that the Sun Warriors have for generations and thousands and thousands of years been keeping this same fire burning and keeping it alive, you know, is it's a really cool idea, um, especially since everyone thought that they had all died out, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, so I just really like the the mythology behind or not necessarily because it's not mythology, but like the lore behind the Sun Warriors and the dragons and the history of like, you know, oh, history is not always correct. Like how people believe that Iroh was the last to kill or was the person to kill the last dragon. That's why he got the title Dragon of the West. And how that's something that we knew the title, but we didn't realize what it meant until this episode that like, Oh shit, like awesome. Yeah.
0: Then the whole fact that the, the teachers would be two last remaining dragons, not gonna lie, they had me go in all the way until they got to the top of the steps and looked and they were like tunnels and I'm like, right. And then I fully expected like, Oh, very dramatic the teachers are going to walk out of opposing tunnels is this going to be some sort of like weird duality of like one teacher is going to be one personality that's going to teach something to ang and the other one's going to be a a different personality and they'll teach something to zuko and up until there was like whatever it was the roar or the rumble i was like oh shoot, it's a dragon it's a dragon isn't it
1: (laughs) i've played skyrim
0: enough to know that sound i know when there's a dragon circling about to land okay (laughs)
1: Right? Can't can't get me. So. Oh, my gosh. The entire like I've seen this episode so many times, more than I can count. And I still get chills when the dragons first come out and they're just circling around Aang and Zuko and, you know, they're roaring and they're not sure what to do because they're just so scared. And the music is fantastic. The animation is gorgeous. Like, it's just the entire scene with the dragons. I'm a huge dragon fan. Like, that's one of my favorite just like creatures um and i just house of the dragon just finished so i'm like on a dragon high right now so like <laughs> i love dragon it. drunk right um <laughs> give me more but uh yeah i do love that the dragons they look like the um i don't know if it's i believe it's chinese dragon art mm-hmm. where they're like the longer asian type dragons yep. that you know i i don't know what they're called but they look more serpentine than like reptilian if that makes sense
0: yeah no the the, the chinese dragon in art has uh, a very different look it almost looks in a way almost a uh, mammalian uh its features because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's sported and it looks here. it appears to have almost like fur and like hair on it in different parts of it um uh-huh. and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this um Between the dragons themselves, but also the fact that they do the this dragon dance that they uh that they learn in the temple that gives them access to the dragon egg in the first place. Um Mm -hmm. and so me being me, I'm watching them doing the moves of the dragon dance as they're doing it. And there's two parts of my brain. One part Mm -hmm. of me goes, Oh, of course this has to be a dragon ball z reference in the episode about dragons as they're doing the what has been memed now a million times the fusion dance famous dragon mm. ball z where they do the mirrored moves and then later put their hands together and to complete the fusion dance like can this be any more dragon ball z we have a glowing we have a glowing gem like a dragon ball on a pedestal that they're hunting after to find we have the fusion dance we have dragons which in dragon ball z when they summon the dragon it is like a chinese style dragon the big long serpentine thing so i'm like oh we even have the dragons perfect we've summoned the Mm -hmm. dragon um so I love all those all those references, all of which I have to believe to be intentional. Um, but also, I'm watching the statue poses, and my brain immediately something inside it clicks and goes, "Wait, Northern Shaolin," because I studied Wing Chun Kuen, which is a Southern Shaolin martial art. But the Imagine. Northern Shaolin has an art um, that's called um, Qian Sin. Uh, if I believe, which is one of the northern Shaolin styles, if I'm reading it correctly from the poses and remembering right, um, which is actually mm-hmm. very interesting if it is, because Qian Xin um, actually is the, is uh, a strike. It's called Strike the Heart, or, or like Aim for the Heart. is and It has mm-hmm. a two-fisted, like, like the two-fisted strike at the end is sort of signature, if I'm remembering correctly. It'd be interesting if it was, because what does the art, the dance, what is that martial art, what does that discipline ultimately bring them to, a confrontation about their hearts. Zuko, Mm -hmm. in that his fire, his rage and anger was always his motivation for his fire, but it's his purpose that has to drive him forward. He has to repurpose himself. And Aang, who has always viewed... He has viewed his ultimate goal of killing the Fire Lord as being nothing but destructive. I have to mm-hmm. go kill him. I got to go kill him. You know, like he's an assassin. He's even looked upon it almost like as if it's drudge work, this terrible task that he has to accomplish just to make things right. He has to kill somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and he has to learn firebending, the most destructive art, jerkbending, in Saka's <laughs> words. Right in order to accomplish it the one thing he doesn't want to do that he's seen it get out of control no it the lesson he learns about it is that it's not destructive it's life-giving and he sees that you know on display with the eternal flame that it's something they keep alive that it's the perpetuation of a culture he thought was dead has been kept alive by the traditions at the root of the fire nation it's amazing
1: yeah yeah, no, and you actually were dead on um, with the Northern Shaolin because that's exactly what it is. I knew um, it! <sighs> yeah, because that is that is exactly what firebending in the world of Avatar is based off of, is specifically the Northern Shaolin style. Um, so it's like, you said that, I'm like, yep, you got it.
0: It was the, it was the, the uh... double fist attack that does it like, for me. I, I, mm-hmm. like, that, for me, I was like, I know that move.
1: Yep. Yep. So there you go. You, you were right.
0: <laughs> Years of Academy training paid off. It wasn't wasted. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love the, I mean, we talked a little bit about the connections between the characters in uh, the last episode, but in this episode, I really love Aang and Zuko's like, they're, it's almost like an annoying little brother. Like that's, that's the vibe I get. Yeah. Um, you know some people see him as or see zuko as like this begrudging teacher or something but i see it as like an older brother an annoying younger brother who you know is trying to copy you very much like how they they have the fire they're trying to give it to the masters and angs goes out if he literally tries to take some Zuko's stop cheating off me <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny and um, plus
0: uh remember when they're stuck in the glue where he's like you know <laughs> What is what did ang say to him where he's like oh you, you had to do the thing." yeah
1: you just had to touch the glowing egg didn't you <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah where they're blaming yeah. each other
1: <laughs> yes it's so cute their relationship um and i also love how the, they both complement each other in this episode like when they're bringing the fire up the mountain and like ang is scared that it's gonna go out and it obviously does when he gets up there but like I think uh, Zuko says something like you're a talented kid or something like that, yeah, and it makes Zang yeah. so happy. And then earlier in the episode, when um key point is Sokka, when Zuko, very much like Sokka, figures out how to trick the uh, the gems so that they can open up the temple by basically speeding up the sun. I think that's something so something Sokka would come up with. So that's why I was getting confused. But again, that's a smart thing to think of. And Aang compliments on him on it. He's like, you know what? I don't care what anyone says, Zuko. You're pretty smart. And then he just smiles and I'm like,
0: ah. I love how there's I the smile. I love how there's the smile, the compliment, but then we wait one more beat. To let it sink in that it's I don't care what everyone else says, that everyone else right? says you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, I love it. It's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but like <laughs> and, and meant well. He meant well.
0: Giancarlo and Volpe, perfect direction on that moment to have it, that extra beat on there to allow both the sentimentality of the compliment, but then the backhandedness to get that extra little second to sink in. <laughs> like wait. right.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um yeah, they have a very, very cute relationship, the two of them. Um, and I'd love that we get to just have an episode basically just dedicated solely to them um coming together, and then we get to that epic finale, and we just gotta talk about that because that's gonna be like a whole mm-hmm. section, because that the whole last five minutes or so is just it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that you were had to rewatch it?
0: <laughs> the very the very ending.
1: Yeah,
0: I you rewatched a bunch. Gonna... Of, I I killed a whole bunch of time from this for this episode of rewatching stuff. Um, mm-hmm. in per, in particular, the scene with the dragons all swirling around. I love that it wasn't just like, oh, red flame, which would have been super easy to do. It acknowledged mm-hmm. that there's all this different colored flame right as they're staring into it that took me completely by surprise first of all it took me so incredibly by surprise that there was like green fire and purple fire and blue and yellow and because Mm -hmm. it it kind of showed and gave more context to like azula's blue fire and everything that we're seeing Mm -hmm. it not that it's different like oh like like in the real world where fire is a different color based on it how hot it is but it's literally uh-huh. just showing it that it's a spectrum and there's a, a, there, it, as, as it's explaining that there's a spectrum of different sources for you know your purpose i mean i can only imagine what azula's inner purpose is that makes it that makes it blue like what mm-hmm. is it? Blue the color for psychopaths or what? <laughs> you know? I guess so. Yeah, that that is that is absolutely incredible. Like I loved I love that entire thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's so visually stunning, like when they do get surrounded by the fire from the dragons and you know it's just swirling around them, all these amazing colors and you know their hairs blowing in the wind, and it's just it's so gorgeous and you see the reflection of the fire in Aang's eyes. Like it's so well animated and the music swells at that moment. And you just, you feel like you're getting what they're getting. You're like, wow, I had no idea that like fire could do that. Like, you know, and that they're not harmed by it. That's the thing. Like, you know, they're surrounded by all this fire and you're thinking that as they're being, you know, shot at from both sides by the dragons of the fire, that, they're going to somehow get burned or hurt. And that's, I think what the priests are thinking as well. Um, but no, it doesn't hurt them. And they just see these amazing visions and colors in the fire. And it's just, it's really, really beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah. And that's, that's all it takes is for them to be, you know, deemed worthy of the secrets of the fire. I was going to say the fire nation, um, that of the sun warrior and their ancient ways is just, Understanding that fire is not destruction and death; it is life, and it is, you know, it warmth and just good. It can be good, yeah. And I think that's exactly what Ang needed to hear in order to not be afraid of it anymore. And when he does Mm -hmm. finally firebend at the end, after coming down from the, you know, pyre or whatever, you know, he's actually happy to firebend and like get it. He understands it now. Um, well, because
0: it serves is... it serves the purpose that he that he has his goal and his resolve is now solidified about it and like the fact that such a big spiritual transformation for both of them and such a bonding experience for two is just breathtaking like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a very subtle fire bending pun <sighs>
1: right um yeah, no, I love it. And I this is a little detail, but I love that as they're walking up to the uh, to the masters, that the chanting is the credit song. Mm-hmm. The I can't do it, but, you know, the really cool the chanting that they do in the credits after every episode. And it's just a great way to kind of tie it in. Like we just thought, oh, it's just the credit music. But no, it actually has a purpose within the show um they didn't have to do that but i love that they did
0: see and see and i remember when i posted like an instagram story the very first one i was looking around for avatar music and i had never watched the show intro so i had no idea what the actual intro was but it was like avatar the left Mm -hmm. Gearbunder music and i'm like oh and so i put that music on it and you were very quick to say why did you put the ending credit music you should have used the title of music and now hearing it i feel so validated i'm like it's because my boys in the fire nation i immediately knew what the best music was right. in the entire series it was like right
1: oh man i i forgot that you put that as the like instagram story or whatever like I did. we had that whole conversation <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it's great. And um, and I, I do love the kind of like little fake out ending that they do where, you know, the priest walks up to them after they both have gotten their firebending. And he's just like, you know, oh, now that you know our secrets, you can never leave this place again or whatever he you says. Stay and here forever. Like... <laughs> right. Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, don't tell anyone.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Cause I straight of thought as a kid, like I thought that there was gonna be a whole like other episode of them escaping from the place, but they just totally pulled the rug out. Nope, sorry, it was just a joke. It's <laughs> it was very funny.
0: I love how there's that tongue in cheek humor from from all of the, just everywhere. Uh, just just no matter how serious things are in the world of Avatar, there's just like the, the austere, you know, ancient warriors who have kept the eternal flame alive and they keep their culture a secret. And when two kids come in and 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 discover their secret culture, they're just like, "We'll scare them," and then we'll be like, "Yeah, no, but seriously, don't tell anybody."
1: <laughs> right? Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, the episode um, is just is there... the episode is just so cool because it has he has not only that bonding between ang and zuko but it just really truly brings things full circle for them and you know zuko gets his firebending groove back and so does ang and it resolves so much conflict that's been hanging i mean you you rightly pointed it out that you know his his training under jang was back in season one he's been carrying the weight mm-hmm. of this for a very long time
1: yeah Absolutely, and it is so good to see that just burden of not wanting to deny, or well, of denying this part of him that is a part of him because he is the avatar. He cannot not learn firebending, right? Um, and for him to try to, you know, push it aside or just disregard it altogether, and for him to realize that he shouldn't need to or have to do that, like that's a really good thing and a good step in the right direction for him. Um and that he will no longer be afraid of fire and that you know, it is not destruction, it is life. And how great is all these is lessons it? that he
0: learns. How great is right? it that moment when ang like does the firebending and he goes and you just see like the flicks of flame in front of his eyes. Mm-hmm. He's just like so elated that he's got this now and that he doesn't have to have the burden of all the guilt and fear and everything on him. Just like that smile on his face. I was just like, hmm That's right, kid, you I... go. You straight up murder that old man.
1: You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> Yes. I almost wish and like that's a really great moment and I love it, but it would be even better if like as he's about to strike out the fire for the first time, he looks like really nervous and then we see his expression change in that close up and he suddenly realizes just like he again, like you said, he's so elated that he hasn't burned anybody and that like it's a good thing that he knows how to do this now um and he can control it. And I feel like if we had seen that change, that just subtle facial expression change from, you know, nervousness to suddenly elation, like it would have just been chef's kiss, but as it is, it's still amazing. Um, And it's just a really good episode. I love that Zuko gets a little bit of bonding time with, um, with the gang before they actually go off on their, you know, little adventure. It's very cute seeing him like pour out tea and stuff like that. but uh yeah so overall i think that this is a really good episode um i think i would give it probably a nine out of ten um i think it's very strong and i love that there are dragons Drag and dragons and anything just immediately elevate anything even if it's crap um i love that it focuses so much on the fire bending and the you know the way that the characters feel about fire um and i really like the lore behind the uh the the sun warriors so overall nine out of ten for me
0: yeah the episode does a lot of great things and has a lot of satisfying conclusions to things um it's actually ironic that like you rated the last episode a little bit lower than either me or the imdb because it wasn't super plot heavy in this episode i feel like the episode takes what is actually a very short bit of plot and just makes it really long Mm -hmm. because like we have to go to the the temple and so they go to the temple and there's lots of little things that happen but then they just get stuck and when they get stuck then they just kind of get found and then they're like now you have to talk to the firebending masters i'm like oh well it's easy we don't have to find them we just kind of get shuffled into their Mm -hmm. presence so the plot has little conveniences there that i'm like okay easy enough um and for that reason i also am uh going to go a little bit short of the imdb rating but i do agree with you it is a solid nine out of ten for me too
1: wow this is the first time i feel like in a minute that we've agreed on a on a ranking
0: (laughs) we we've been we've been a little bit off for a while a little bit off for a while but um i'm just really looking forward to where season three is going to go from here knowing that there is very little time left as we are you know screaming toward the finale like the <laughs> comet is screaming toward us and, barreling uh, towards it <laughs> barreling um and so especially now that I know how the dynamic between Zuko and the group is going I'm just looking forward to seeing how he reconciles and bonds with each member of the group as we've talked about Sokka and you've already alluded you know Katara going to take a, be a little harder to crack than uh but, you know, uh, it, really, it really is the groundwork for everything that has to be accomplished by the finale. And I love the anticipation of that. Really makes me look forward to the rest of season three.
1: That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating and all that good stuff.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah. And please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.